This is Jews with Tattoos. Body art is a fascinating way of communicating, and behind each piece of ink work is a real human story. On this podcast, we find and share those stories, and we'll shed light on how members of our tribe express themselves and walk in this world. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher, and welcome to Jews with Tattoos. Another episode of the Jews with Tattoos podcast. I'm really excited about this episode today because I get to introduce you to an old friend of mine. Uh, his name is Igael Gurin Malu, uh, Rabbi Iggy, or Iggy for short. Uh, he and I met way back in the 90s when we were both working at Camp Ramah in New England, and I recently had a chance to reconnect with him just by happenstance in Los, Angele- Los Angeles before he moved out to New York, which is where he is now. Uh, he's the founding rabbi of the Chuva Center in New York City, and you can also follow him on Instagram under the heading Not Your Rabbi. That's his handle. And uh, it's really wonderful to have Iggy with us today. Iggy, thank you for joining us. Um, can you tell thank us a little bit um, about your... Sorry to interrupt. It's wonderful to have you, Iggy. Uh, thank you. No, I was about to say thank you for having me. It's okay, a, good. It's a pleasure and an honor. I'll remember to be polite as well <laughs> and, and give you time to speak. Uh, Iggy, uh, I wonder if... Um, and it's great to have New York City in the background there. I wonder if you could... It's wonderful. It'd be wonderful if you could tell us a little bit about your spiritual upbringing uh, as a kid and now, you know, as a full-grown adult. Right. Um, so I grew up in a uh, Orthodox family, ultra-Orthodox family, although at the time it was just Orthodox, it was just religious. Uh, there wasn't quite as much separation of the different uh, parts and the different sects and all that. Um, and I went to Shiva in a very uh, traditional, if you will, upbringing in terms of sort of the the way that sort of my life sort of was going. And I went to Hader, I went to Shiva, I went to Talmud, you know, the whole the whole thing. Um, and um, it was much later on when I realized both that I had sort of more questions that I had answers that my rabbis could answer, and that I didn't really feel that I fit in then. I mean. We can talk about that a little bit later about some sure. fitting in and belonging and the difference between those two things. But but I didn't feel I fit in and I I got really angry. Um, I my identity was forming also and I wasn't quite sure what was going on because I I didn't really know that I was I, I felt I felt alone. I felt that I was the only person sort of going through this. Uh, it's a funny story. Uh, just a little bit sort of kind of now famous among my friends and sort of like old from Jews that sort of that when uh, when I was a kid I I thought that they separated the boys from the girls because boys like boys and girls like girls because I like boys right so I right I didn't realize it was much later on when somebody one of the rabbis uh, was asked why the girls are praying with us and some the rabbi said well the girls are a distraction 
And I was like, what do you mean? Like, mm -hmm. how are they a distraction? <laughs> like, what? And, right? and it was only then I was like, oh, oh. I get it now. Also, it's sure. not. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, so in many ways, it was somewhat of a combination between a bit of a sort of a secluded and charmed uh, upbringing, uh, but also with a lot of sort of learning and halacha and all these different things and, and feeling that something was different about me. And it was much later on that I sort of realized everything that was going on. And mm. and then I had to sort of, I guess, re, re-articulate my mm. connection to Judaism. And, and I went through a lot of different parts of my life, from orthodoxy to conservative to reform to, you know, sort of this place where I kind of landed right now, which is kind of like just Jewish, I call it. Yeah. Um, so um, been, I that, that's kind of the the major strokes of the trajectory to really try and find the kernel of my own Jewish identity and my own Jewish spirituality. That's wonderful that you've been able to find your place and be able to articulate who you see yourself as being at this very moment. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the Chuva Center and your work with that? Yes, of course. Um, so the Chuva Center is uh, a sister to a larger organization in LA called Bet Chuva, mm -hmm. which I worked there and was the director of spiritual counseling there. Uh, both Bet Chuva and the Chuva Center have a very similar mission, which is to be a residential uh, recovery space for Jews and who uh, those Jews who suffer from addictions and all around uh, uh, miseries in life that really come from a space within them that they feel that they don't matter from a, a void in their soul, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. We believe that addiction is a spiritual malady. Right. Um, uh, and and both spaces are created to be able to offer uh, a space for people to heal and to grow and to find their passion and to find their purpose and to really uh, learn how to live life. Um, so the Chuva Center is brand new in New York. I'm bringing it to New York. And uh, LA, of course, has been established for many, many years. And we really uh, want to be the systematic Jewish response to addiction and pain uh, within our community. That's wonderful that you've been able to bring that resource out there and that hopefully it will really serve the community and give people the type of support and resources that they need to deal with the addictions that they're going through and the spiritual affliction like you talk about. What a, what a wonderful and meaningful job. I hope you yeah, really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. so Iggy, you. Um, you know, when we talked earlier... Um, you know, or, or at least over text, you know, one of the tattoos you mentioned you had, you know, I don't want to go into the whole story about it. I'd love for you to tell us, but it involves one of the most sacred prayers that our people in our tradition have. Yes. <laughs> so one of my first tattoos uh, on, on my arm, my inner arm, is the Shema, uh, right? Sort of the, the core, if you will, of the Jewish mantra, if you will, the Shema. Yeah. Uh, was one of my first tattoos. It's tattooed um, on the space where you put a, like at the socket, right, with my inner arm. And uh, a funny little story about that is that when I went to look for a tattooer for that, this was still, in, I was in Israel at the time, and I, of course, articulated God's name as the tetragrammaton, the yud heh and there were multiple tattoo artists who just wouldn't do it. They would mm. wanted to do, like, the, the little hay with the, with the chuk chick or a dalet, like, but, like, right, but they wouldn't they wouldn't do the full God's name. And I'm like, here you are, like fully tattooed or whatever artist. Like this is really this is where you draw the line. It's it's really it was really fascinating. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was my first very tattooed. Ah. You cut out a little bit there. 
the, the space between, sorry, yeah? You, you cut out a little bit there. Um, oh, sorry. I wonder if you could just go back. Um, I, I heard everything about, you know, the, the abbreviated God's name and whatnot. Can you just remind us where exactly it's placed and why it's placed there? The tattoo? The yeah. tattoo is placed in my inner arm, in right. the socket of where you put the, the filling, where I you see. put the, the phylacteries on. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. And that was for obviously so, a significant reason, because it's, because it's feeling contained the words of the Shema. Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. And and it was then it was then and as it is now, this uh, push and pull that I constantly feel, both with my own spirituality and Judaism, that it's always this sort of uh, living intention, hmm. uh, which at the time I was fighting, but now, right? I, I Heschel describes wonder, right? To to live in wonder as a state of constant tension, hmm. right? Sort of where you sort of see something in the world that you are uh, didn't expect or something that sort of you didn't know you would feel this way. Right. And that sort of constantly pushes you to ask a question. And that is wonderment. Where, and, and in that sense, I feel with that tattoo as with a lot of my other tattoos, as with my Judaism, that that space of um, pull and push, right? Yes, it's a tattoo, which is basically forbidden, but it's right. a tattoo of the Shema, which is shocking. But it's at this place where the filling is, where the filling is sort of leather. My skin is leather, right? So right. there's all these sort of like little micro juxtapositions that make it a, a, a constantly interesting space for me, even still. Like this tattoo is, you know, like very, very old, you know, close to 20 years old. Right, and as I've been finding with the conversations that I've have that I've had with people over the past couple of weeks, you know, these are more. It's more than just an image that they're putting on their skin. There's a real dimension to it, and you clearly have multi dimensions to this one tattoo that you've gotten. Why, why the Shema of all things? I mean, you could have gotten a lot of different Jewish tattoos, right? And of course, it makes sense with the idea of tefillin, putting it on the inner notch of your arm. But why specifically the Shema of all prayers? Well, um, I for two reasons. One is that I've always felt the Shema itself holds a, holds a very strong tension of, uh, of these o- almost oxymoronic ideas that sort of constantly sit within those sentences of the Shema, right? So from the, right, from the uh, affirmation of the one God in a way that's sort of like, if you have to affirm something, is that something that you don't really feel? And also then the Vahavta, which is a commandment to love, which is really impossible. You can't command love, right? And right. and then also fundamentally, I was also thinking about what is the core, right? At the basis of all sort of, if you will, Jewish liturgy, which was important, still is important to me, what is the core? And the core, of course, has always been the Shema. So, so it became clear that moment that that's what the tattoo, quote-unquote, needs to be. And just for anyone who's listening that's not so aware of what the Shema is, I know we we're kind of referring to it in shorthand. What we're talking about is what I refer to as our Pledge of Allegiance, right? This is a prayer that was supposedly uttered uh, during our time of our people's wandering when they found themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai, when they received the Ten Commandments from God. And this was part of their agreement with God, that God would give them the Ten Commandments and they would form a covenant with God. And part of the way they would articulate that is by saying, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. 
listen, Israel, God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as you say, it's much more than just a statement. There's a lot wrapped up, to, wrapped up in it, right? There's this idea of listening or hearing God, which is a form of attunement. And do you even want to be attuned to God? And if you do believe in God, is it this idea of a singular God or a unified God? And then even more so, the paragraphs that follow talk about the love, the loving relationship that we should have with the tradition and also with God as a result of this gift of the Torah and these commandments and these laws that should guide our lives to, you know, holy endeavors and to sanctify life. And, you know, what does that really mean to be in a loving relationship? And as you said, is it even really possible to command love? You know, you could talk about the idea of honoring your mother and father. The Ten Commandments are pretty clear. It says honor your mother and father, but it doesn't say love your mother and father, right? So there's a real difference there in terms of what it means to have a relationship um, with something, you know, in and of itself that's a parent figure, which is often the way that people look at God. Um, so for you, this is this is like a real contradiction. And, 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 you know, I have to wonder, you know, you as a rabbi yourself, right, as you stated, you know that, you know, tattoos are pretty much forbidden, right? That we're not allowed to get tattoos lest we get, you know, or, or else we won't get buried in a Jewish cemetery, which of course no Jewish cemetery would prohibit, you know, unless of course it's a real serious religious Jewish cemetery. Um, but I haven't seen any Jewish and, and, cemeteries. Right. And even then, and even then, I mean, it's pretty clear, by the way, halachically speaking, right, for, right. and again, halachically sort of like for the those who observe halacha, right, halachically speaking, that that is not true. This, right. this, literally, this is something right. that Jewish mothers invented to, to right. prevent their children from getting tattoos. Right, right. Right? Because, of course, they would, if that was true, right, you would have, right, you would have a whole generation of people who went to Auschwitz, right, uh, right, right <laughs> the Konami Vosak. Who couldn't be married to a cemetery? That's exactly so, right. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, is, yeah, is, I mean, please go on. Sorry, no, no, please, please, you. I was saying this, I think for me, right, in many ways, it's, it's very much sort of part of the essence of Judaism. I think Judaism has a lot of these kind of built-in juxtapositions or these impossibilities, right? You're supposed to like have uh, the most amazing meals on Shabbat, right? But you're not allowed to cook. <laughs> so there's these constant spaces where Judaism sort of tries to sort of put us in this sort of like semi-impossible state and be like, okay, I want you to think about it. I don't want you to just go on in the routine. I want you to think of the best way to do this in with a certain challenge because I think that will teach you something about life. And it also seems very much similar to the idea of wrestling, right? What does it mean to be an Israelite? That a person who wrestles with themselves and, Correct. That, you know, that in and of itself is part of the challenge that you grow as a result of it. And it would seem to me that you're trying to be a walking juxtaposition, right? If I can make an assumption, feel free to disagree with me, but you're trying to be a walking juxtaposition for the sake of other people so that maybe they can see juxtapositions in their lives and wrestle with them as well in the hopes of gaining a further depth of truth or an understanding of the world and themselves in the process. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say uh, more in sort of like not trying to be a juxtaposition, but more in the sense of that I... Um, we all are juxtapositions. Hmm. And in that sense, sort of like, I'm just wearing mine a little more out right. on my sleeve, if you will. That I think all of us live in those juxtapositions. I think all Jews do. I think all people who have meanings in their lives do. I think people who, who, who lead a, a self-examined life, right? Yeah. I think all live in some juxtaposition. Yeah. And for me, as a rabbi, as a leader, as whatever, as a person, as a father, right? I want to make sure that my authenticity comes... A little bit stronger out there, yes, to sort of to show a point, right? I, I, I'm, 
I'm strong enough to handle the uh, like the public opinion, if right. you will. Well, let's talk about that. There are a lot of people who get tattoos and they do so in a way that they know they'll be able to. And I'm talking Jewish tattoos, from what I found. They they do so in right. a way that they'll be able to cover it up because they don't want people to get offended by it, and because in some way it's really a private thing for them. Um, have you encountered right. any type of criticism, or what have been the conversations like that other people have started up with you as a result of it? Of course. I mean, there are places where, you know, I've had colleagues or friends who are saying like, oh, but would you cover your tattoos? Would you, you know, love that? And, and it depends. Sometimes, sometimes I do. Like, I can tell, like, when I go visit my grandmother in Antwerp, right, right. I don't roll up my sleeves. And not because I'm ashamed of them, but because that's not for a world. And I don't want to, right, to expose her to parts of my world that are just, you know, not yeah. something that she's part of. Right. Um, you know, but... But uh, and for some people who want tattoos that are a reminder to themselves and they don't want to expose to the world, I, that's of course fine as well. Um, for me, I, they're always a part of where I am, and in that for I've I've pride in them, right? They yeah. they mark moments or people or things or ideas or values in my life, and I don't want to cover them up because I need them just as much as I need to show them, right? Right To remind myself of where I was and where I want to go and who I am. Um, there has been very fascinating conversation about it, of course, sort of, right? the, the most traditional one is the one you described, like, oh, but I thought Jews can't have tattoos. They can't be buried, right? right? And I have to go through this whole, like, no, it's not true. Right. And then there's, of course, a lot of people who then see it as, um, as a way to connect. They'd be like, oh... I get it. I see you are not like everybody else. Right. As a, definitely the Jewish rabbi. Right. So, so clearly there's more to you, and therefore I can show you a little bit more of myself as well. Um, and, and lastly, I, you know, I won't deny that part of my tattoos um, are a little bit of a... They protect me from the world. Right. They, they, they portray a certain sort of person out there. Um, Especially in the summer, now it's winter in New York, so right. like it's all covered up. But right. but definitely, you know, um, parts of, of when I sort of walk around and people sort of think about me a certain way, and and they don't, um, well, to be blunt about it, they don't mess with me. Right. It, it, you know, sort of like they they see something and they think that, they think of, that I look a certain way, and therefore I belong to a certain group, and therefore they leave me alone. And I I won't deny that when I was a little younger, that was part of it. I needed that extra armor, if you will. Interesting. So for now, so now it's kind of a response to something that you experienced as a kid um, that aids you in walking a public life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Has there been a, you know, I want to get to your other tattoos as well. Is this the only Jewish tattoo that you have? No, no, there's a couple of them. Okay, so I would love to hear about those as well, but this is clearly a really fascinating one, especially given its, you know, roots in the Torah and everything like that. Um, has there been right. a time, has there been one particular story where um, looking at the Shema on your arm has been really important for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, and it's basically every day. Hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, it's my kind of prayer, hmm. right? It is, it is part of me, right? Prayer has become now part of my body. It changes, it grows, right? The skin moves, the tag, right? So like there's all these elements. It, it, prayer stops being external to me, right? It becomes part of my own inner dialogue. And there's moments in my life where when I pray, 
and I have to ask myself, who do I pray to and what do I pray for, that the Shema on the hand becomes part of my own expression to myself. Like, right? I can't, I can't fake it. I can't lie. I can't say I don't want this or I want that or I pray for, for this or for that because it's part of my own skin, right? And, and in that sense, it reminds me of my own need for true, true authenticity well, and, all- and transparency. And, that, and as far as I can tell, that's a very authentic way of looking at Jewish prayer, right? We say the, the infinitive, yeah. lehit palel, it's reflexive. Um, you know, right. and the idea is that you're not praying externally to something else, right, to a rabbi or cantor on the bima or even to God, but you're praying internally. It's a self-reflective process that, you know, you do that's some right. real self-examination. So that seems like a real wonderful mechanism that you have in order to encourage that. That's really beautiful. Um, why don't you, uh, you. W- please, uh, uh, I'd love to hear more about your other Jewish tattoos that you have and, and their significance. Um, so I have another one that is, it basically says L, uh, which is, of course, sort of an homage to God. So it's but Aleph it's Lamed. Formed, uh, yes, but it's formed the way they used to write L in old Kidurim, uh-huh. which is an Aleph that turns into a Lamed. Oh, interesting. Um, so... So it's one letter. I mean, I wish uh, this was a vlog cast, I guess I could show it. But, um, I'll ask right? for photos. So, yeah, I would uh, love to have photos for people. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know if you could post a photo, but I'm, I'm happy to post a photo of it, of course. So the Aleph, sort of the top of the Aleph, uh, the Jewish letter, uh, which is the first letter, of course, uh, sort of goes and becomes a sort of a long, elongated part of the Lamed on the top. Oh, I see. And, okay. um, and what is... Um, what is Really fascinating about that for me was um, that, right, Aleph is the beginning of all things, right? It's the first letter of our alphabet, it's the first letter of our expression. Um, and Lamed is the tallest letter, and part of the old Hasidic rush about it is that, um, is that the Lamed is there uh, in that thing, is because while we all start the same, we all start from Aleph, from the beginning of all things, we always have a chance to transcend. Yeah. We always have a chance to go beyond, beyond the line that assigned to us in the letter and touch up. And I've always loved that, and I've always loved the that sort of interpretation of God's name, of what the L is. So um, that was definitely sort of like one of my moments in life when I need to be reminded of that, it's sort of my own transgressions and my own ability to make shiva right, a part of built into God's name, which is part of who we are. And, right, my full name, as you said, is Igael, mm-hmm. right? So there is an L in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and combining those two parts, the, the humble beginnings of all of us and the transcendence of the letter uh, has always been very meaningful to me. So that's on my, on my shoulder, on my left shoulder. So it's the image itself that reminds you of what it means to transcend who we are and to, you know, pursue past the limits that other people or that even we might put on ourselves. Yeah, and then, and of course, the meaning of it. Right. So the, the, this is a visual representation of, of something that is constantly part of my daily reminder of what is my role in this world. I see. Okay. Lovely. Lovely. What are the other ones that you have? Um, so, so there's a whole bunch of them. So I, I, I have, like, anybody who has multiple, uh, once you sort of pass it to the number, uh, well, so she was like, you, you kind of forget sometimes about sure. where they are. Sure. Um, but so uh, the other one, I have, I have a, a mem on my shoulder, 
the letter mem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's the same. It's sort of a copy of the first letter of Talmud. Mm-hmm. Um, so Talmud starts in brachot, and the first letter, mm-hmm. the first word is Be'ebatai ah, from right. when, right. right? So it's a mem. So, right, so... So the, the mem stands there on my on, on my arm. Um, Talmud has been a huge part of my life. I'm a Talmud scholar. I teach Talmud. I, I I've studied Talmud every day of my life. I'm a big Dafyomi uh, uh, person, right? Dafyomi is the the practice study. of studying one page of Talmud a day, right? Yeah. Daily study, which we're about to finish in January, right? Very soon, and start a whole new cycle. It's very exciting. Um, so, you know, so I have the mem. Uh, it also represents. Um, the I have the four corners of uh, of the so on the Shema that you say at night, right before you go to bed. There's parts of the prayer that uh, evokes the four angels that protect you, right? right? Michael, Raphael, Uriel, right? right? Um, and Gabriel, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have a Mem on my right side. I have an Aleph on my front. I have a Resh on my back, and a Gimel on my left. Um, so, you know, that prayer has really, um, supported me from, from a very young age to feel that I'm surrounded by, by good and by forces that will protect me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've said that prayer every day since I can remember, uh, I've taught it to my kids, right? So these, these ministering angels, if you will, not so much a, a Jewish metaphor, but if you will, like these, these angels around me. Um, also part of my day to day when I, you know, even when I wake in the shower or right to like take my clothes off, which are very intimate moments, right? I have to remind myself of the protection that they offer both within me and sort of outside of me. It's really a lovely uh, prayer as well, which we can provide the words to yeah. so people can see it. And oftentimes, you hear it when people are on their deathbed, right, as a way of saying that you're going to be escorted Absolutely. to this next phase of life, um, surrounded by angels. You're going to be protected, and and still true for you. It's a, it sounds like it's a wonderful way to remind you that you're surrounded, as you said, surrounded by good in every step that you take yeah. in this world. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially especially these days, and sort of working with the work that we do, and yeah. You know, it's very easy to dive into the agony and the pain and the ugliness of the world. Yeah. You open the newspaper, you open, you know, Twitter, or and, and there's a lot of hate, and there's a lot of ugliness in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's very easy to swallow it, mm. you know. Uh, uh, as, as Baldwin, right, James Baldwin, the case of, you know, sort of like swallow the filth, right. um, which I don't want to. Well, you can't so, help it either. I mean, in, in some ways, right. it all just kind of comes at you, whether you're on social media or watching the news. There's no exactly. way not to take it in. Uh, and I wonder, exactly. you know, if these tattoos are a great way for you to say, all right, I might have taken them in, but they're not a part of me. What is a part of me are these wonderful pieces of spiritual direction that I have permanently as part of my body that will always be with me. That's right. And and, and in many ways, and that's part of me to speak about this, but sort of it, it's the choice. Right, I wasn't born with them. I made the choice right. to have them permanently on my skin, right. and for me, that's part of the power of tattoo. Right, the the permanent element of your own choices and your own actions, um, which is very important. 
you know, in any spiritual direction. Yeah, well, and, and what's even more fascinating is, you know, you've said the word reminder a lot during the, the, the you know, the process of this conversation. And I'm, right. I'm wondering, you know, if you think that, you know, reminders are really an essential part of life. There could be so much that we'd want to end up forgetting, right? And you think about the trauma and the pain that people have gone through. Sometimes you want to forget that. And, you, you know, we just talked about the ugliness of the world that we'd rather just forget. But you know, the, the markings that you put on your bodies are all are, are, are reminders. Um, why is it so necessary for people to have reminders in this world? Um, because I think that we tend to forget our value. Mm-hmm. I think we, we tend to isolate, right, especially in today's world. Yeah. I think we tend to, as teachers, uh, go to the negative, yeah. right, sort of, uh, unfortunately, right, you can hold the resentment for years. Sure. Right? Sure. Right? You can hold it. Sometimes even you don't even remember why you hold that resentment right. towards a person. And yet gratitude is fleeting. You right. don't remember how something good made us feel. Mm. Right? Um, so um, I think not just then sort of reminders um, are always there. I think they're, they're the, if you will, the right for me, they're the talisman yeah. of our own spirituality in our own connection. Um, I think for some people, prayer does that. For some people, right, sort of other elements can do that. But for me, I've always wanted it to be more uh, permanent. Yeah. Right? And and also, and you know, I, just, again, for the sake of honesty and transparency, they're a little bit shocking, right? And I, I don't mind to be shocking. Right. right? So, like, I, I, I like the controversy. I, I, I've always, right, I've never shied away from uh, from a good argument as right. you very well know. Oh I know. Right? Yeah. So right. So in that sense, uh, the ability to to push the envelope a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, I've it's part of my own story as well, of course. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, this idea of being a walking juxtaposition in that way is a wonderful thing to know, not only for the sake of other people to see, but to remind yourself of that, um, that you don't right. have to be one thing and that you can be more complex than that. You can be two different things at once, and those two different things can often be completely the opposite of one another. Um, That's the, right. it, what a wonderful message for people to hear in this world where, you know, uh, there's a lot of polarity right there's a lot of polarism in terms of you know you're either a democrat or republican you're right or you're wrong um and this message that you have is that you can be both at the same time right um what a wonderful message for people to hear thank you so much for uh everything that you shared iggy i really appreciate it rabbi iggy what a wonderful what a wonderful rabbi to have out there in the world um, oh thank you no i i yeah No, I was just saying like that I think if anything, right, and, and you, you, you really articulated well that I I really value this idea that life is not binary, right. that we have to shift from an either or perspective to a both and perspective. Right. And if anything have we've learned and if anything I've learned from the LGBTQI community, that that is part of our universe. It's yeah. all part of a both and non binary point of view. So yes. yeah. You're 100% correct. Well, and you've really given, you've hit home the idea of wonderment that Rabbi Heschel <coughs> talks about. Um, and so hopefully the people listening to this will have a new sense of wonderment about what it means to bear a tattoo and to get really, I mean, really explicit Jewish tattoos is what you have. They're not just images. Right. They're not just symbols. They're pieces of Torah. 
that you have made part of yourself, and that's a wonderful way for people to engage the world with a sense of wonderment about that. I can't thank you enough, Iggy. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been really